Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. I'm Pastor Tuck, and welcome to the Word at My Church. If this is your first time joining us, we want you to know you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where God wants you to be, and I want to encourage you to share this broadcast with at least three people, because as believers, we have a mandate to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world. We are a teaching ministry with a mission to help people get better by teaching them how the word works. So go ahead and get your Bible, your notebook, your pen, your highlighter, and let's get ready to dig into God's word. But before we do, let's begin with our Bible confession. So go ahead and grab your Bible in your hand and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I believe every word. I am who it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do by hearing its word and applying it by faith, it'll change my life. So I declare right now from this day forward that my life will never, ever, ever be the same again. And neither shall the life of anyone with whom I share this word. So I declare I'm going to share this word with someone so that their life may be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the moments of preaching. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for every opportunity, Lord, to approach your throne of grace. And Father, Lord, I trust you now. Father God, Lord, that you would use me, Lord, as a vessel of your choosing. Father God, move me aside. Take my place. Speak to your people. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would just say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, that you would speak through me. Speak for me. Father God, Lord, that they would not hear me, but that they would hear you. Father, Lord, that your word would go forth unchecked, unhindered by any demonic force. Father God, Lord, that you would empower us and equip us, Father God, for this age in which we live. Father God, give us, Lord, the tools, Father God, that we may be your change agents in the earth. <clears throat> Father, Lord, that we would, Lord, be equipped, Father God, Lord, to impact, Lord, our communities. Father God, our homes. Father God, our schools. Father God, Lord, every place on our jobs. Father God, every place, Lord, our feet shall tread upon. Father God, we claim, Lord, for the kingdom of God. Father God, every person, Father God, we come in contact with, we declare, Father God, Lord, that their lives shall never be the same, Lord, because of the encounter, Lord, that we have had with your word. And Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you give us, Lord, every opportunity, Lord, to be made better. Father God, Lord, by submitting and receiving your word. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word changes life. And Father God, Lord, we receive that today. Lord, we bind every contrary spirit every demonic force, Lord, anything that would attempt, Lord, to hinder us from walking in and becoming everything, Lord, that you have declared that we are. And Father God, we thank you, Lord, that everything, Lord, you desire to do in us and through us, Father God, is being done in the earth now. And we trust you and believe you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Now, if you've been with us, then you know that this is the year that God wants to restore the church to a place of greater influence and impact. I told you one thing that essential to the restorative or restoration process is that we must have some concept of the original condition or state of that which is being restored. 
So we started off by talking about our former glory. Because if we're going to be restored to our original condition, we must understand how we were first created, how we were originally designed to operate. And the Bible says we were created in his image and his likeness. I told you when man first existed, we existed as a spirit, which meant not only did we look like God, but we operated like him. Then it says God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So once God created our physical bodies, man existed as a spirit that lived in a body and possessed a soul. But after Satan shows up and deceives the woman, their soul became corrupted. As a matter of fact, open your Bibles with me once again to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And when you get there, look at verse 1, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And here it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, first of all, we know that's not what God said. So her first mistake is choosing to receive outside information when she has access to revelation directly from God and she becomes delusional. It says in verse four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And then she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, I need you to pay attention to what just happened. The enemy shows up and gives her some information that was contrary to the word of God. And because she receives it, not only did it corrupt her thinking to the point where she thought it was a good idea to eat something that God said would kill her. But it also perverted her will so that she desired the very thing that God did not want her to have. Which affects her decisions. 
Sounds a lot like church folk. See, because her soul has been corrupted, she makes a choice to disobey God and influences her husband to do the same. And once sin is introduced, their emotions become distorted. What do you mean, Pastor? It is right there in the text. Look at verse 7. It says, Then their eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. I told you that word naked means exposed, uncovered, wanting, or lacking. Because after being exposed to sin, their emotions have changed. They no longer feel the same. How do you figure that, Pastor? You do recall that when God created Adam, he put him in the garden, and the Bible says he brought to him every creature. And every creature, Adam named it. Y'all recall that, right? So, so he brought all of these animals, lions, tigers, bears, and in confidence, things that he had never seen before, Adam now was able to sit there and call it by its name, and it became whatever Adam called it. Because he knew that he was just like God, so he had the ability to call things that be not as though they were. But now, after being exposed to sin, their emotions have changed. They no longer feel the same about themselves. They've become self-conscious. They're no longer able to see themselves the way God sees them. As a matter of fact, look at verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now, even though they knew they had sinned. He knew they had sinned. But notice God was dealing with them the same way he always had. It doesn't say he came tearing up the garden, screaming and shouting. There's no tornado. There's no earthquake. There's no hurricane. It says he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He simply came to spend time with his children. Somebody type in the comments. Sin is not a problem for God. It's a problem for us. Yeah. Because sin comes between us and God. It changes how we approach him. 
It says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. See, because it changed how they felt about themselves. It distorted their emotions. Notice how Adam responded. It says in verse 10, he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. See, as a result of sin, fear was introduced. Along with so many other negative emotions like inadequacy, insecurity, and self-loathing. But as Paul reminds us, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. See, I told you, Adam sat there and God brought every creature. So Adam's sitting there looking out of eye with the lion, but he has no fear. Because he was given dominion over everything on the earth. Every creature, everything that creepeth upon the earth. But now all of a sudden, because of sin, fear has been introduced. And all of these other negative emotions. But look at how God responds. In verse 11, it says, and he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I have commanded you that you should not eat? And that's the reason why so many of us in the body of Christ have trouble believing the things that God has spoken over our lives. Because we feel ill-equipped, inadequate, as if we lack the ability or resources to do the things God said we could do. But who told you you were naked? Who said that you were exposed, uncovered, or lacking something? Could it be that you have chosen to receive knowledge that comes from the world? instead of that which comes directly from God. And now your soul has become corrupted. See, because if we're going to have the kind of influence and impact that God intended, we must be restored. And since the soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions, the next step in the restorative process is restoring our emotions. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Restoring our emotions. Is that all right? Because we can get caught up in how we feel. You know, the young folks got a saying, you in your feelings. They say, I feel some type of way. But as a result of sin, our feelings cannot be trusted. 
Can I prove it to you? Go over to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Are we going somewhere today? Proverbs chapter 28. And look at verse 26. Proverbs 28, beginning at verse 26. And here it says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Yeah. That word heart is the Hebrew word lab, which means feelings. So here what he says is he who trusts in his own feelings is a fool. Here he tells us that relying on our feelings is foolish. See, people always want to say, well, well I, I had a feeling. As if your feelings are trustworthy. I got a feeling that ain't going to go well. As if your feelings are trustworthy. That just don't feel right. But here, the Bible tells us that relying on your feelings is foolish. Somebody type in the comments, your emotions will mislead you. Yeah. He says, but whoever walks wisely or in wisdom will be delivered. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. So he should be the source of our direction. The one who gives us instruction. The one who gives us our direction. And shows us how we're supposed to live. We were never meant to be led by our emotions. As a matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And when you get to look at verse 12. And see, I know this is uncomfortable for some of y'all because some of y'all are so attached to your emotions. And your emotions are sacred. See, because your feelings dictate everything to you. They dictate your thoughts, your decisions, your actions. But guess what? Look at what Paul tells us here in verse 12. Here he says, So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. And we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. Here he tells us that as believers, our flesh nature or our, our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions has no control over us. 
and we are no longer obligated to follow it. Yeah, I need you to pause and take that in. See, as a born again believer, we are no longer obligated to follow after the things that we think, the things that we want, and the things that we feel. We are no longer obligated. See, before you were born again, you had no choice but to give in to the thoughts you had, to the desires you had, to the emotions that you had. You were a slave to your flesh nature. But Christ redeemed you from that. And now he's supposed to be your Lord. So you have no obligation now to allow your mind, your will, or your emotions to have control over you. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, for when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. Oh, I need you to understand that. See, when you continue to follow the things that just pop up in your mind, the things that just desires that just come to you. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I want this. The things that are just popping up out of your flesh to do and go after every feeling that you have. Allowing your emotions to run your life. He said, you are headed for destruction. He says, but if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste the abundant life. See, if we want to live the life that God intended for us to have, we've got to allow the spirit to restore that corrupt soul that we have. It has to restore our way of thinking. It has to restore our will and it has to restore our emotions. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Wow. See that word those is actually translated in the Greek, those and only those. In other words, being moved by anything other than the impulses of the Holy Spirit, such as opinions, your wants, especially your emotions, is a sign of immaturity. Mm. Yeah, I need you to get that in your spirit. See, because if you are still allowing your emotions to control you, then you are a immature believer. Oh, don't get mad and turn off the feed because that's an emotional decision. Listen to the Holy Spirit and say, sit down and eat your vegetables. 
Yeah. See, see, that's what that means. See, you have to follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit and not your emotions. This has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with what you want. It has nothing to do with what you think. It's what does the Holy Spirit say to you? That's how we reach the place of maturity is by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. See, one translation said, they who are led by the spirit, they are the sons, the mature offspring. Those and only those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. See, we got to get that. Look at verse 15. He says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty or a spirit of slavery leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. See, when we are led by the, our emotions, it makes us susceptible to the spirit of slavery, which uses the fear of not being good enough to keep us in bondage so that we won't do what God said we could do. But when we are led by the spirit, we realize that we have been set apart as God's children and made a part of God's family. He goes on to say, and you, will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father for the Holy spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Did y'all hear that? You are God's beloved child. I apologize. That was the passion translation. I got so caught up. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. So pastor, uh, are you saying we're not supposed to have emotions? Should we not have feelings? Absolutely. You should. They are a gift from God. The problem is they've become corrupted. And they need to be restored to what he originally intended. See, like everything else, our emotions were meant to be in submission to the Holy Spirit. Let me help you see this. Go over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And when you get to look at verse 15. Colossians chapter 3 beginning at verse 15. And here it reads, and let the peace of God rule. That word rule means to arbitrate, to decide, to govern, to control, to restrain, to keep in subjection, to direct 
or to steer. It says in your hearts. That word hearts there is the Greek word cardia, which means feelings. He says to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So we've got to learn to submit our emotions unto the Lord and allow him to dictate how we feel. Look at what he says. Let the peace of God rule. In other words, let the God of peace rule. Let him dictate. Let him decide. Let him govern. Let him control, restrain, keep in subjection, steer and direct your feelings. See, you've got to allow God to dictate how you feel. Watch this. Years ago, I kept going through these periods of frustration. I mean, it would look like I would get up some mornings and it looked like everybody was on a mission to upset me. Whether it was somebody on the highway, a cashier at the store, a family member, somebody in ministry. And it looked like once, once somebody did, it looked like they would get on the radio and tell the next person, he on the way, go ahead, it's your turn. And it seemed like every encounter was a personal attack. And next thing you know, I'm about to explode. I could just feel it like my blood was boiling. Then one day I got a revelation. Praying to God. I'm trying to calm down. I'm praying and God gives me a revelation. He says, submit your emotions to me. I said, huh? He said, submit your emotions to me. He said, let me be God over your feelings. And I learned how to allow God, the God of peace, to rule in my heart. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, when things were happening, I started asking God, how should I feel about that? For example, when the cashier would start slinging my groceries across the conveyor with an attitude and not even speak, I'd say, uh, God, how should I feel about that? And he'd say, don't take it personal. That ain't got nothing to do with you. She's having a bad day. And because I was no longer obligated to follow my emotions, but instead I was moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. He told me how to minister to her and brighten her day. And I was able to increase God's influence and impact in the earth. See, there, there's even been situations that seem extremely personal. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody say something slick out their mouth to you. Somebody you know, a friend, a family member, a spouse, a co-worker. 
And I would have to go, uh, God, how should I feel about that? God said, don't even receive that. They're just lashing out at you because they met with somebody else. See, watch this. Somebody like, well, Pastor, I, I don't know. I, I had to give him something. See, that's because you're trying to follow the dictates of your emotions. You're allowing your emotions to lead you. But watch this. All of us have different words, different phrases, different terminologies that coming from one person, one segment of population, we might find offensive. But when other people say it, it's not offensive. Oh, come on. Ladies, sometimes y'all call each other words that if a man called you, you'd be upset. People of certain races, you may call each other something that if somebody outside of your race called you something, you upset. People of certain ages, you may call each other something and then if somebody older called you that, you'd be upset. So what is that saying? That what that's saying is that the word itself is not offensive. It's how you how you receive it. See, it's the thing is how you receive it. And so if now if you allow God to tell you how to feel about it in that particular situation, then now you're being led by the spirit of God. See, watch this. How many times have you ever said something to somebody and said no offense? Because you know what you said could be received offensively depending on if they understood your intentions. And so you may have had to say that because you knew your heart, you know you weren't trying to be offensive, but you realized if somebody, you may have seen in their reaction, you may have known when you said it to somebody else, they may have got offended. So you just precluded that by saying, uh, no offense because you knew in your heart, you didn't mean anything by it. Well, guess what? God judges the hearts. So if God knows when somebody else said something to you, he knows the origin of their heart. So he can tell you, yeah, you might want to get upset about that. Cause that was personal. Huh? Would God ever say that to you? Yeah. God will tell you, uh, you can't trust them. They meant that. Yeah, God will tell you that. God will let you know. Because he sees, watch this. Sometimes people even say nice things to you. Complimentary things to you. And you feel all flattered and God said, don't receive that. They lying. They didn't mean that. Their heart wasn't in that. So that's why you got to allow God to rule over your feelings. You got to allow God to tell you how to feel. Oh, I'm trying to hear you. I'm trying to help you. You got to get this. That's why we got to learn to submit our emotions unto the Lord. See, because when we're led by our emotions, it affects our thinking and we make poor choices. Go over to first Samuel chapter 13. See, watch this. Yup. Even just what I just said, 
Somebody could say something nice to you and it may be because they're being deceptive. Ladies, God tell you, you look nice today. You think, oh, he said I look nice today. He may have an ulterior motive. But instead of you being flattered and allowing your emotions to say, oh, he's so nice. You better ask God, how should you feel about that? Might keep you from making some poor decisions. Somebody says something to you and you get mad and now you want to give them a piece of your mind and they didn't even mean anything by it. But now you give them a piece of your mind and now you cost yourself a relationship or opportunity that God was trying to use to bless you because instead you didn't ask God, how should I feel about that? Because you didn't submit your emotions under God because your emotions are still corrupted and they haven't been restored. First Samuel chapter 13. Now, if you recall, Samuel told Saul that he would make the sacrifice required to the Lord when he arrived after a certain period of time. But when he does not arrive at the appointed time, Saul begins to panic because his enemies are getting close and the people were getting restless. Look at verse eight. It says, then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, Samuel said, I'll be there in a week and I'll make the offering. And so a week goes by and Samuel not there. And it says the people were scattered from him. So he's starting to lose the support of the people. So he's getting nervous because the enemy's closing in. Samuel's not back and the people are getting nervous. He's like, Hey man, I, you supposed to be here to pray and get me favor from the Lord. He said, and now he offered a sacrifice and things are going bad. And so he, he's in his feelings. Now Saul is the king, but he's not a priest. Verse 10 says, now it happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. Yeah. See, he gets in his feelings and he makes a decision. He moves prematurely because he's in his feelings. And as soon as he does, Samuel shows up. And Saul went out to meet him and that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, well, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines were gathering together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made the supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God 
for he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. Mm. Do y'all see that? See, he allowed his emotions to affect his decisions. Samuel wasn't there. The people were getting restless. The Philistines were coming. So instead of doing what God instructed him to do, he gets in his feelings, comes up with his own plan because he felt compelled. Well, what compelled him? Fear. He was afraid of what he was looking at. See, anytime we're moved by the impulses of our emotions instead of the leading of the Holy Spirit, it will cause us to make poor decisions. Especially fear, because fear counteracts our faith. It clouds our thinking, and it gets in the way of us making the right choices. And that's why we must have our emotions restored. Otherwise, the enemy will try to use them to distract and discourage us. He'll try to convince us not to believe what God said. As a matter of fact, go over to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Oh, I pray this is blessing somebody. Luke chapter 8. Y'all remember when Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house. Well, while he was on the way, y'all know he got interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. Well, after that, the Bible says somebody came and told him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Well, can you imagine how he must have felt? The emotions he must have had. Well, Look at verse 50, Luke chapter eight, beginning at verse 50. Here it says, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe she will be made well. In other words, don't be moved by the impulse of your emotions. Just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust God. Verse 51, he says, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. See, even though he tells them not to weep, they refuse to allow the God of peace to rule in their feelings. See, here he's telling them, don't be sad. He can't tell us not to cry. He can't tell me how to feel. She dead. Really? Really? See, because we've placed our emotions above the word of God. 
Look at verse 54. He says, but he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. See, before Jesus could deal with his situation, before he addressed his circumstances, he had to deal with his emotions. Because he knows that fear is a magnifier that makes things look worse than they really are. And the devil likes to play with your head. He tries to get you to focus on the worst thing that could happen. But what if this and what if that? And I don't know what I'll do if that. But none of that lines up with the word of God. See, these thoughts did not come from God. So we must pull down these thoughts with our words. We've got to decide if it didn't come from God, we won't accept it. And we don't fight thoughts with thoughts. We fight thoughts with words. See, because fear may come upon us and give us a thought. But when we speak it, we give it life. See, it's one thing to wrestle with thoughts. It's another thing to start saying what we're thinking because we're in our feelings. So don't give birth to something that you don't want to live. And that's why Jesus tells him, do not be afraid, only believe. In other words, don't accept that emotion of fear. Don't submit to it. He said, just believe and she will be made well. In other words, don't panic. Don't submit to your emotions. Just submit your emotions to the Holy Spirit and know that everything is going to be all right. And when he got there, anybody who was being led by their emotions had to go. See, because it's okay to have emotions, but you can't allow your emotions to have you. Somebody type in the comments, get your feelings in check. Yeah. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Last scripture. But I need you to get it. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And when you get there, look at verse 6. See, we got to learn to put our feelings in check. Because all of us deal with situations. We, we, we're in emotional situations. We're human in this human flesh. And we have a soul. And God gave us emotions. So that we can interact with one another and the world in which we live. But see, what we have to understand is that your emotions are informational tools. They're like the gauges 
and indicator lights in your car. You can't drive based on those. They're just feedback. And you now have to take that feedback and process it. See, those gauges can't drive the car. And you can't drive based on that feedback. It has those, those, those lights and those indicators have to submit to the driver. First Samuel chapter 30. Look at verse six. It says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man, his sons and his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Now watch this. David was greatly distressed. So he was dealing with some emotions. Now why? Because the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. See, because the people were dealing with their emotions and they were submitting to their emotions and they were about to make a decision that was going to affect their behavior based on their emotions. And now that emotion, their emotions have now affected David's emotions. See, that's how emotions work. You get emotional and now you act out of your emotion and now somebody else has to react to your emotions. But what does David do? He submits his emotions to the Lord. See, when you're dealing with an emotional situation, you feel like giving up. You're stressed out. You may not have other people to encourage you to make you feel better. So you've got to learn how to get your feelings in check by speaking the word to yourself. Because this is not the first time you've been in trouble. It's not the first time you've been in a situation where things didn't go your way. And it's probably not the last. But you've got to remember that the same God that got you out before is the same God that will get you out now. He promised not to leave you nor forsake you. And guess what? Just because this situation took you by surprise, it didn't surprise God. So instead of you panicking, recognize God's already got a plan. So you must allow the peace of God to rule in your heart. He must be able to dictate how you feel so that now you can respond to the situation instead of react because your emotions will affect your decisions. And that's why it's important to have our emotions restored to the place where they are in submission to the Holy Spirit. Because if we want to have the kind of impact and influence that God intended, then we can't continue to allow our emotions to override the word of God. Because even though it's okay for us to have feelings, it's never okay for our feelings to have us. Amen. God bless you today.
I, I pray that you got a hold of this. I, I pray that you receive this revelation because we're sometimes so emotional. God's trying to lead us and we can't hear God because we're so caught up in how we feel. But our feelings were never meant to lead us. We must always submit our feelings unto God. We're not meant to obey our feelings. We're always meant to obey God. Trusting in our feelings is foolish. That's what the word says. But he said, if we walk in wisdom, we'll be delivered. If you listen to this today, you're like, man, I, I, I constantly struggle with my emotions. Well, Jesus is the answer. You've got to learn how to give your emotions over to Christ. But first, you've got to give him your life. He's got to have the authority to dictate every aspect of your life. You've got to make him your Lord. You've got to make him your Lord. And that comes as a condition of the offer of salvation. So if you're listening to this today, you're like, man, but I, I, I've not even gotten saved. Well, that's your first step. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God desires for you to be saved. God wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to have everything that he desired for you to have from the beginning. He wants to restore you. And if you desire that today, all you got to do is pray this prayer. All you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And confess with your mouth that you want to make him your Lord. Give him permission to make your every decision. So if you desire that today, pray this prayer with me. Precious God, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. I give him permission to make my every decision. Be my father. Make me your child. Teach me how to live for you. If you've prayed that prayer, you're now a part of the body of Christ, the family of believers, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop you. The next step in your journey is to find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. And if you desire to be a part of my church, just follow the instructions on the screen. Go to our website at lovemychurch.org. Click Contact Us. Fill out a connection card. And one of our ministers will get back to you with the next steps. They'll give you all the information about how to connect with our ministry. We broadcast every Sunday morning at 1215. Every Thursday evening at 730. It'll tell you all about all of our ministry platforms. All of the ministries that we have here. We have a wonderful women's ministry called Women of Worth. We have an awesome men's ministry called the Man Cave. We have a marriage ministry called Marriage Seer Training. And we have a, 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 a Zoom Bible study that we do with our partners. And we have some exciting new changes that are coming in our ministry, new ways for you to engage and partner with us, way for you to grow as a, as a faith community. 
and that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. I'm so excited about the new uh, innovations and the new releases that we're about to be releasing in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned, follow our ministry. I'm telling you, we got some stuff that's about to come through and I'm so excited about releasing that information over the next couple of weeks, but please stay, just continue to follow our ministry. You're about to see God's about to blow our mind with the things that he's doing here at my church. But if you want to be a part of these things, just send us a connection card so we'll know how to get in contact with you so we can send you some information so we can encourage you. Secondly, if you just want to support what we're doing here, you, you've been blessed by this ministry and you want to help continue to do what God's called us to do, click the donate button, sow a financial seed. You can use cash app, dollar sign, my church Lynchburg, paypal.me forward slash my church Lynchburg, or you can use the Givelify app. Or just go to our website at lovemychurch.org, click sow a seed. But however you desire to give, just know that your gifts are going to help us continue to spread the gospel around the world. We have a mandate to spread the word till the ends of the earth. So does every ministry on this planet. But we take this very seriously. So we try to make sure that there is no excuse not to get the word. And if you want to help us do that, just sow a seed. You can sow your tithe, your offering, your seed into this ministry and know that we're going to do exactly that. We're going to help build the kingdom of God. Thirdly, if you know somebody who needs this message and all of us know somebody who needs this message, Click like, share, tag. Make sure you let somebody know how whatever platform you're watching on, just let them know because we're on just about every digital platform there is. Let them know how they can get the word at my church because we want to see somebody else's life blessed. We want to see somebody else's life made better. Lastly, I'll tell you, make sure you come back and watch with us again. Come back again next time. I'm Pastor Tuck. This is the word at my church. God bless you. I love you. And stay tuned for our announcements. See you again on next time. Pastor Stephanie for Women of Worth every first and third Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live.
Join Pastor Tuck in the Man Cave every second and fourth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. Before the pandemic, our relationship was already in trouble. It's like we argue about everything. I mean, he comes home and he sits in the driveway, in the car, instead of coming into the house with me and his son. See, she doesn't trust me. And she talks about me to her girlfriends. Like she speaks so loudly like she wants me to hear. What am I supposed to do with that? Why do you have to get out of the bed at 11.20 at night to return a text? You see? She doesn't even know how to talk to me. And he refuses to talk to me. Like the first couple weeks of quarantine, together in the house all day and all night, just confirmed it's me. I can't do this anymore. You know what? I'm done. I think I'm done. Maybe we need to get some help. I think we need to talk to somebody. Marriages are under attack. And if you or someone you know needs help, then join Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker for My Church Marriage Seer Training. Every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m., Pastors Lewis and Stephanie Tucker have designed a course to help your marriage to not just survive, but to thrive. Get the tools necessary for a successful biblical marriage. You can enjoy this course live on Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV via the BoxCast channel or on Facebook and YouTube Live. Just search My Church Lynchburg. Why not make an investment into your marriage that will impact generations? My Church Lynchburg Marriage Seer Training every fifth Thursday at 7.30 p.m. You can now watch the My Church broadcast on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV and Apple TV. Simply download the BoxCast channel and look for the My Church icon. Or catch the word on the go with the word at My Church Podcast. Now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Tune in iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher podcast platforms. Just search for My Church Lynchburg. Now there's no excuse to go without the word. And for those of you with Alexa-enabled devices, simply enable the My Church Lynchburg skill in the Alexa app. Then say, Alexa, open My Church Lynchburg and sit back and enjoy the word.